Thank you, Abba Father. Amen, Lord. We have a hard time figuring it out. A little bit of your grace can somehow erase a lifetime of failing you. Yes. And that's what it was, Lord. I know I failed you for 27 years. I rejected your son, Jesus Christ. I had no idea who he was. But somehow, your grace, your riches at Christ's expense broke through. And somehow it erased all that sin and depravity. And now you made me a new creature. All of us that have received you as our Savior, your grace, your little bit of grace erased all our sin. And we thank you. All the years we failed you, yes. gone yes, Lord. because of your grace. Lord, we give our hearts to you today. We give our soul to you today. Lord, today is what we celebrate as Palm Sunday when your son Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that colt of a donkey. And they sang, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Today is that the anniversary of that day. And Lord, we thank you. You rode on a donkey to bring peace into your city, Jerusalem. And we thank you, Lord, you rode into our hearts and broke, brought peace into our hearts and souls and our minds and into our life. What a great day that was when you chose us and we said yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And Jesus said that is the greatest, the first and the greatest commandment. And Lord, we love you today. This isn't just because it's Palm Sunday or Easter Sunday next week. It's because we fell in love with you many, many years ago. Amen. And you became our Lord. You became our God. You became our Savior. You became our great physician. You became our lover. You became our, our husband to be, soon to be, I hope, when you come back and rescue us from this place. We can't wait for that day. Thank you for your mercy that embraces us everywhere we go. Lord, today may, from this pulpit, may Jesus' name be high and lifted up. And because he's high and lifted up, Lord God, you will draw all men, all people, all of our sin to Jesus who can take it. And because it's on him, our sin, he didn't have to die because he was sinless. He took our sin, our shame away from us, took it for us, redeemed us, clothed us with his righteousness. And then because he was holy, never sinned, there's no penalty for him which is death. And because of that, the grave couldn't hold him. 
And three days, three nights in the heart of the earth, he rose from the grave just as he said. And today, next Sunday and today, Lord, we celebrate the words of the angel that sat upon that tombstone. He is risen indeed. And we're so glad, Lord, you've risen in our hearts because we were once lost and you found us. We were dead and now we're alive again. And we thank you all because of your grace. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. I'm sorry I, I did that to you. If I would have known, I would hope I wouldn't have. Forgive me, Lord. Yes, Lord. I repent of my sin right here, right now, before this congregation, before all those listening over the Internet, all those who are listening down the road. There is no salvation without repentance. So, Lord, today I repent of my sin. I give it all to you. I ask you to help me to serve you with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Give us your Holy Spirit. Well, thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives yes, in us. Lord. And just as John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance. He who comes after me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to even untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Lord, may the fire be in our hearts today. The fire that people will know that we love Jesus. And because they see the fire in us, they'll say, I want to be like you. I want to know this Jesus. And Lord, that's when you say, I want you come, my beloved, into the kingdom that was prepared for you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for all your grace and your mercy. We love you with all of our heart. Let your message go forth today. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us, Father. Let it be clear what it is, is saying, he is saying to us, and let us apply it in our life as we walk away from this place today. And may you receive the glory for every one of our lives as we follow you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless the church. We're glad you're all here. Glad to see some new people here today. You're welcome. I won't embarrass you and ask you to stand up. But thank you for coming. Listen, for those of you that just tuned in, you're listening to the Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. If you're local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida, half a mile west of I-95 and a half a mile east of Con Congress. So, um, on the north side of the road. You won't have a hard time finding us. Um, so uh, come by and visit us sometime. Ne 10 o'clock on Sundays, Thursday night. If you work on Sundays or something like that, your Thursday nights we're here at 7.15 to about 8.30, quarter to 9, usually at the latest, and we're preaching in Genesis on uh, Thursdays. So come on by. Well, we're doing a series right now. In, in this church, you know, I call it an About Face series. It's a series that, that um, once I well, want to wake up the church and say, you know what, you aren't just people that sit in the chairs every day. You're a warrior for Christ. You are a soldier of Christ. And your captain has called you into the kingdom. Instead of Uncle Sam saying, I want you, Jesus is saying, I want you. And he, you responded, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you have responded to his call. And you became a soldier for Christ. 
That's what Paul tells Timothy. I'm going to read it to you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Um, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier in active warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this world so that he may please the one who called him as a soldier, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He called you as a soldier. When my kids were little, I said to you, May we used to sing songs like, Onward, Christian soldier, marching out to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before. Every time I sing that or have that in my heart, I picture myself in, in Brazil when we did that. We took a cross and we marched through the city, you know, with the, the cross of Jesus going before us. And we preached the gospel everywhere. And many people accepted Christ as their Savior. The cross goes before you wherever you go as a soldier of Christ. The captain will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always there. So the first lesson in this series was, was uh, about faith. And about faith speaks of changing your life. It, cha- it means going in another direction. You were going in the wrong direction before. About faith means turn around and go in this direction towards the cross. Because we were headed into the world and now we are headed for the kingdom of of god so the about face speaks of repentance and as i said in my prayer without repentance there is no salvation say that with me without repentance there is no salvation thanks for that hearty response Without, uh, without repentance, there is no salvation. Peter got up and, well, let's put it this way. Isaiah said, repent. Ezekiel says, repent. Jonah says, repent. John the Baptist comes on the scene, repent. Jesus comes on the scene, the first words, repent. There is no salvation without repentance. Repentance means that you agree with God. You are a sinner. And you need a Savior. And you're agreeing with God, and he loves to hear that. So it speaks of repentance. That was the first lesson. Then the second lesson was like a soldier. You know, you, you have to go through basic training. Once you're saved, you have to learn the Scriptures. You have to memorize Scripture. You have to, you have to go to church and be trained. You go to, who knows, men's groups, women's groups, different groups to be trained in the Scriptures and become a disciple. And a disciple is a follower of Christ. So, that was the second lesson. You have to go through basic training. You have, first of all, make an about face in your life, follow after Jesus instead of the world. Second of all, you have to go to basic training to be trained. Third of all, the third lesson, you know, was is reveille. It's a call to attention. You're going to serve the king of kings. Every morning at Reveille, the army would blow their trumpet and the guys would get up out of their sack and they would put their full gear on and get out the formation for Reveille. And then they would do something like this, maybe run two, three, four, five miles, and then they'd, they'd jog over to the mess hall, and they would, they would eat. It's a call to attention. That means if the sirens go off and a war breaks out, you have exactly you know 15 minutes to get your gear on, get out in formation, be fully dressed for war. It's a wake-up call. 
That's that trumpet is the wake-up call. And that's what God is saying to the church today. It's time for Reveille. It's time to wake up church. See, different, what can I say, non-Christian denominations of what they call churches or, or are they, they, they are winning the war. They're making more disciples than the church of Christ is. The church seems to be going down, especially since this COVID thing. The church is half empty. The bars are packed. Church is empty. Explain that one to me. So, so it must be the alcohol, huh? I think I think if that were the case, I'm going out and buy a six pack for after the service, and 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 then then uh, COVID isn't going to kill me. But you know what? It's the devil just put fear in the church. The guys who drink and get drunk, they they just have, don't have any fear. But it's the Christians that are supposed to not have fear. Jesus said this, or Paul tells Timothy, and. Uh, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. You're a, you're, a, you're a saint. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power. We're Christians. We're supposed to be powerful. The Holy Spirit came into us, and the fire of the Holy Spirit should be in us. We should be powerful. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power and love for our fellow man that's out there lost. There's a whole world full of lost people out there. And when they go, when they die, they go to a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels because they rejected the king of kings, the precious blood of the Lamb of God. It's time to wake up, church. we got a forward march, and that's today's message, but we got one more before I get to that. Today's message is forward march, church. But after Reveille, you're called to attention you know, God's telling us, the night's over, the morning has come, get out there and preach. Last week, you know, was, was um, well, we were talking about AIT, which is Advanced Instructional Training. So once you become a Christian, believing in Jesus Christ, and then, then you go through discipleship training, in, in basic training, and then you... And then you um, go to Reveille, you, you go to, they said, they, they tested you. They say, you're good at this or you're good at that. You're good at drawing, you're, you could be an engineer, and you're good at building, you, you're, let's see, you uh, have a degree in a, as a doctorate of a medical doctor. Well, we're going to make you a doctor. AIT is Advanced Instructional Training. What they thought you were good at, they put you in a new course to learn how to do it better. To, to teach you more about it, you know, more about what you do. So you go to AIT, Advanced Instructional Training. I'd say, I know Harry was a paratrooper. Jim was a, was a, a pilot, okay? I was in communication, and some of you else out there, I don't see any more that were in the Army that I know of, especially the, but, but you're trained in that gift, and then we're to take that gift and use it. And God does that for us today. You were, you were given a gift when you became a Christian. You were probably given several gifts, but one gift is prominent. My gift is teaching. I'm really, I'm a preacher, but I'm more of a teacher. I, ta- I started, when I first got saved, I started teaching little toddlers. I didn't like that because every time I built something for them, they knocked it over. So I got, 
little bit discouraged. So then I tried fifth and sixth graders, and I didn't like that. I don't mind teaching. I just didn't like the fifth graders that didn't pay any attention to me. So I mentioned my pastor told me to, uh, to, 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 if he asked me if I would speak at the men's group. And I got up in front of the men's group, and I felt totally comfortable. So I found out that that was one of my gifts, so I started developing that gift, okay, getting trained for it. And that's what you, you might have the gift of, of love or giving, or you might have the lift, gift of encouragement and exhortation. You might have the gift of mercy. You know, you, you, there's a whole bunch of gifts. We went through that last chapter. There were 17 gifts I went through and explained them and gave scriptural reference for, for them, and I can't, I can't do that again today. But you need to find out what gift you were given and begin to use it. If you're somebody that's encouraging, you know, uh, you have a gift of encouragement, go encourage somebody today. Say, man, you know, uh, um, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. You know, your hair looks nice. I like your, your clothes. I like the colors. You know, just be encouraging. Use your gift. God wants you to use it. Sometimes the church just gets, you know, we invert. We just do it at inside, but we need to get outside into the world to do that also. So we had we had about face, repentance, basic training where you you learn how to yield to God and get trained for it. You're ready to go to battle at Reveille. If a war should break out, you're ready to go. Your gear is packed. You're you got everything on your back. You have a position that you fall into. They're going to be taken into that that uh, camp wherever they send you, and you will use that gift there. But now, after you're in formation, after Reveille, and after you go to special training, it's time for you, and that's today's lesson, lesson five, forward march. Once you're in, in that formation and you have a wake-up call, it's time the captain or the drill sergeant might say, left face, forward march, or just forward march. That means it's time. It's time. It's time to move out. It's time to quit being complacent in the seats in which we, we are in the church. It's time to get out there and go to battle. You could go out to Publix and get into a conversation about the Lord Jesus and lead somebody to Christ. You can go on a missions trip to Brazil maybe for a week or two weeks. By the way, you know, there is a missions trip coming up for Brazil somewhere around in November again, planned by Pastor Brett. So I just want you to know that it's time to go out, you know, to get to go share the gospel. If you don't, you can't go out full time like he can because he's a missionary, but you can go on a short term trip. So it's time to forward march. Here's here's my passage today. It's first Samuel 22, one through five. It's about King David. King David was anointed king because Saul, King Saul failed to serve the Lord in so many different ways. I don't want to get all through it. But David re re went to the stronghold. Well, the stronghold for the Christian soldier is the church. But there's a time to get outside the stronghold. And we're going to see a prophet named Gad tell David today, it's time for you to get out of the stronghold, David. Saul's been chasing him. Saul wants to kill him because Samuel anointed him as king over Israel because, because Saul failed. 
And now King Saul wants him dead. And even Saul's son, Jonathan, actually followed David. Even though he loved his father, he knew that God, the king of kings, ordained David to be king. So Saul knew this, and he was pretty angry. Here's our passage, 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 5. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab and said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother come here with you till I see, find out what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him in the time that David was in the stronghold. The church is for us Christians. And here's the next line. Then a prophet named Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go out to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Herod. David was commanded to go outside the stronghold. The, you know, in the stronghold, there's safety in the stronghold. You got the whole army camp is there. If somebody's going to attack, they better be pretty strong. Though David was told by the prophet to get outside the stronghold. Well, for the church, the Christian church, this building is a stronghold where believers gather. But there's a time for us to forward march and get outside the stronghold. A lot of you every day, I see people out there to go to the beach and witness to people. I see people that pick people up, you know, in their, in their automobiles and take them from place to place. And they're preaching to them about Jesus. That's coming out of the stronghold. Once you leave church, you can still talk about Jesus. That is our goal. Instead of Gad saying to David, get out of the stronghold, Jesus said, get out of the stronghold. He said it this way. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the commission of the Christian church to the church. Jesus is saying, get outside the stronghold. I am risen. I'll be with you. This is a co-mission. That means he's with you. He's partnering with you. It's co. Put a dash between co-mission, co-mission, God and you. It's time to get out of the stronghold, church. It's time to preach the gospel. You can look around the world. You can see the chaos going on in the world today. And the Lord told us in Matthew 24, 25, that these things will happen. Know that the time of the season is near. So it's time. You look around the world, the whole world's in disarray. Every nation's rising up against nation. One wants to do this. The other wants to do this. It's all about money. Some of them have demonic influences behind them. It's a mess out there. And you know it is. Christians in some countries are only, only amount to maybe 1% to 2 to 3% of the country is Christian. Even America, which claims to be Christian, really is not so much anymore. 
back when the country started, yeah, there was a lot of Christians around. But now they seem to have hidden themselves. It's time to get out of the stronghold, church. It's time to get out of the comfortable seats and preach the gospel because the time is near. The trumpet's about to sound. Jesus is coming back. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we who believe and are, are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's what the scriptures say. Paul tells that to the Thessalonian church in chapter 4. It's time to get outside. Once you're inside, you should be, you know, you should be eating meat, eating good desserts, you're getting fat in the scriptures, but you have to get out and put it out. Once you eat, you're supposed to have a lot more energy to do it. So in the stronghold, you're encouraged, you're equipped, you're made ready, you're energized, you're revived, you're disciplined inside the stronghold, but there's time to get out. There's a time for everything under the sun, says King Solomon. He said this, he said, there's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to plant, there's a time to reap. There's a time to kill and there's a time to heal. There's a time to build up and there's a time to wear down. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. Well, it's time, church. It's time for us to get out of the stronghold and march out into the world and preach the gospel. Not just this church, every Christian church. We have these big crusades. Thousands and thousands of people go to these crusades or even to a Christian concert, and they go in there, thousands and thousands of born-again Christians, and then the concert's over, they march to their cars, never say a word to anybody. And they should be passing out tracts, seeing a person coming to them and begin to preach to them. Some do it, don't get me wrong, but most don't. Right now, Pastor Brett, is up in, Brazil, up in Orlando being trained for certain missions. And right now they have street things going on. And they're preaching the gospel. You know, they're outside the stronghold. Then they go into the stronghold for more training. Then they go outside the stronghold and do what they learned. The people I had to do that in Bible college. We had to learn how to evangelize. And then they took us down to, down to um, Fort Lauderdale here where all the boats come in. I forget what they call it. Um, and, and I had to preach the gospel to people. We need to do that. So, it's the time for us, church, to get outside of the stronghold. King David was ordered out by a prophet named Gad, and we're told by the greatest prophet, priest, and king of all times to go there for and make disciples. And then before that, he says, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore. He's given you the authority to do it. We're commanded to go and make disciples. You know, when we moved to this little church here from the house that we were meeting in, what, seven years ago, almost seven years ago, you know, I was, I was thinking, hey, man, we got a good location. We're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. we got crosses on the building that light up every night with LED lights, okay, except the back one over here. I didn't get that fixed yet. But, you know, they light up every, every day. They've been on there for almost seven years. I figure people are going to walk in the door. This place is going to get flood. They aren't going to know about Jesus. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. If they did know, they would come in here and get trained. 
Okay? If they don't know, they'll come in and get saved, and people have done both. But it wasn't to the degree I hoped for. You know, there were people that came here. There's a, a fellow named Frank and his wife, Sylvia. And they came with Mama Jay. They weren't Christians at all. I went, he was in the hospital. I went over to the hospital to see him. And he wasn't a Christian, and neither was Sylvia. And right there in the hospital, they bowed their head before Jesus Christ and accepted him as Lord and Savior. And they came to this church, and they said, Here, here's Frank's words exactly. We were having lunch. We had a lunch ministry here. Frank said, there really are good people in this world. You know, there are good people in the church. He hadn't seen them in years. I had another fellow, a friend of mine, his name was Cy Hanover. He was in his 80, 80 years old, a communications warrior like myself in the U.S. Army. And, uh, you know, and he, and he was 80-some years old. He found Jesus as his Savior. He was Jewish. He found out that Jesus was the Messiah. And, and I pretty much took him under my wing, and we led him to the Lord. And, and he's with the Lord now because he passed away about seven years ago, just before we got into this place. There was a guy named Ray Oliver walked in this door, 93 years old, 92, 93 years old, tall guy had Alzheimer's or something like that. He had a, he had a big white uh, dog with him. He said, can I come in? He has his dog. I'm thinking like, the people. The people are going to get offended. There's a dog in the church. And I, the Lord spoke to me right away. He says, are you worried about his soul or a dog? I said, yeah, come on in. I preached to him back in those chairs over there. I think On was with me. We preached to him. And then he said, can I go up front and pray? I said, yeah. He came up front, prayed right here, him and his dog. About five minutes later, he comes back to the chair. His tears are flowing down his eyes. He said to me, Pastor Joe, I don't know what happened to me, but something happened to me. And I said, you know what? You were born again. You're 93 years old. God chased him all the way to 93. I just found out yesterday, this was about a year ago, I just found out yesterday he's still alive. Praise God. On had a friend from Thailand that came here with her. She went back to Thailand as a Christian believer. So things happen here, but I was like, I wanted this. When I moved here, I wanted to take these two lots over, this, this lot over here, put a big revival tent. And I wanted people to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I never had the, I said, manpower to do it, I guess you could say. But right now, I'm still thinking on it. Me and Brett are thinking the same thing. I want to do it. There's a couple lots right next to that, and we can rent for parking or even to put the print up, print of the a tent up. And that bread has already made that call. People have recommitted their lives to the Lord, walking in the door to this place. It's forward marching. Well, we're not so much marking; just the emphasis of the crosses on the building tell what we are. So therefore, I thought. Man, God's going to send bunches of people into this place. We have 85 chairs in there. I'm thinking, like, man, we're going to have to you know, pull a wall out or something if we could buy the place. And here we are. You know, we never did achieve 85 people. We had some things that had over 85, 
I did a memorial not too long ago, about a year ago. It was over 100 people in this church. It was standing room only, and a couple different times like that. And I preached the gospel to a bunch of people that didn't know Jesus. Nobody raised their hand and accepted him. But there was a pastor in the group. There were several pastors, and he'd come up to me. He says, Pastor Joe, thanks for preaching the gospel. See, that's the gift of encouragement. And I'll tell you what, he encouraged me because I've known him for many years. You know, just things like that. People came to our deliverance ministry here and walked out delivered from alcohol, drugs, Satan, Satan's devils themselves. He walked out of here. They were delivered from porn, from even cutting themselves. They were delivered from adultery. Then there were people, too, that were believers, and they came and and they got discipled and trained, and then they moved to different places like New Hampshire, where Ray and Claudia is probably watching right now, up in New Hampshire. They got trained a little bit how to handle the gospel, and now they're up in New Hampshire preaching the gospel. I've allowed people to preach from this pulpit right here on a Sunday and even Thursday night to encourage them, to get them their feet wet, to use the gift that that God has been given, had given them. Many people were baptized here. Many people came up to the altar after the altar and, and they received Christ as their Savior. And I hope a lot of them are out there doing the work of the Lord. We support missions to keep the finances going so missions can go on. I even went to Brazil to check it out. You know, we need to. Some of you guys are younger. I'm 71 years old, and I'm ready to go on another mission trip. I've been to Jamaica several times, Guatemala several times, Kent, Belgium once, Brazil once. You know why? Because I want to get the gospel out there. I was just thinking yesterday in Brazil, it was a Friday night, I think it was, and Brooke took us to this, this um, Assembly of God church. must have been over 150 people there. And they introduced me, and all these people come running to the altar. I'm thinking, like, what's going on here? It must have been 70, 70 people at the altar. All I did was I said, I just went up for start praying for them. Now, they're speaking in Portuguese. I don't know what they're saying. I'm speaking in English. I'm going around laying my hands. He's like one of them revivals on TV. Even one of the people there says to me, Pastor Joe, you ever, how many times you do something like that? I said, I never did that in my life. But I got the message out. We prayed for people. They had cancer. They had all kind of things going on. You know, that's what, when you go on a missions trip and, and you get outside the stronghold, I'll tell you what, you're going to get excited. I've seen witches turn to witch and witch doctors turn to Jesus. I went back years later and found they were still serving the Lord's in the same church. It's awesome. It's awesome. We need to get out of the stronghold. So any of you are young enough and brave enough and courageous enough, do it. Do it. Brett's headed to Africa in May. Africa for three weeks.
We have people walk in here and meet their mates and then get married. So a lot of good happens in the church. Get outside the stronghold. And good things happen in the stronghold. In the stronghold, that's where you get encouraged and high and lifted up. Paul said it this way. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the time drawing near. That time is drawing near is the trumpet sound where the dead in Christ are going to rise first and the, and, the, and the voice of God. And we can't wait for that. Time's running out, church. The trumpet has been blown, and there's another one that's going to blow, and it's going to be the final call for people that are that are going to either stay in the tribulation down here or go to be in the kingdom with with God. Get outside the stronghold is all this is trying to say. Forward march. Get outside. Inside the stronghold, you can't fight too much for the souls of men. Outside the stronghold, you can lay hands on them. In Brazil, we had we had burned uh which 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 um, booklets on people took out their witch booklets and burned them. And I said to the I said to one of the people who was on a mission trip with me. I said, "Don't be surprised if that book don't burn." So we lit it up. The guy, the person that had it, he I, we had him light it up. And instead of it, instead of it not burning, it went. <laughs> you know, it just burned up immediately. You see things like that, and you think, you know, some of you out there, if you don't know Jesus, you might think I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy. God does miraculous things. These signs accompany those who believe in my name. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll drink deadly poison that will not hurt them. They'll put down serpents. Yeah, don't stay in a stronghold. These seats are comfortable, but they shouldn't be too comfortable. Most of the missions trips I went on, you're sitting on the floor or a piece of wood held up by concrete blocks, churches without roofs and without windows. The one mission trip, we had so much money left over in Brazil, we gave it to the missionary, and they bought the land that we, that, that, uh, right beside the church where they were at so they could build a bigger church. See, because the money goes a lot far, further in those countries. If I gave you five, five thousand dollars down there, it might be worth seventy-five thousand dollars. It's amazing. David sent outside of the stronghold, but if you notice, when I read that passage, he had four hundred men with him. They, when they, he went outside the stronghold, he didn't go by himself. He took his strong men with him. There were strong men that went with David, like Adino. Adino was a man, a mighty man of God, that fought against the Philistines. He fought so hard, he stood against 8,000 or 800, 800 armed soldiers and killed them all. Whew. Philistine soldiers. One man. Killed 800 men at one time. These are the kind of men that were gathered to David. They were the ones that were in debt. They were the ones that were not, were not satisfied, if you remember the passage I read. They weren't satisfied. They were, they were um, discontented. They were in debt. 
They were in distress. These were people, you know what they were? They were a bunch of rummies in the world today, you'd call them. And God's going to make these, these rummies a great nation led by a great king who fell in love with the Lord God Almighty. He had a heart like no other king for the Lord. He went out with them. Adino was one. How many of you know that killed 800 men in one war, one battle? The war is not over. It continues. I hit on that several weeks past. The war of all ages is still raging in the world. Daniel chapter 7. The battle's been won. Jesus won it at the cross. We're just getting into firefights with the devil who won't give up. He won't admit that he lost. But there's going to come a day when one angel is going to throw the devil into the, into the lake of fire. One angel. And they'll be saying, that's the man? That's the man that messed up the entire nations? Thrown into a, the lake of fire by one angel. God didn't even waste his time with it. That's how much powerful God is in the devil. You can't ignore this. You can't ignore being in war. Adino didn't do that. Adino couldn't go around it. He couldn't go over it. He couldn't go under it, so he went through it. And sometimes we get into those places, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for God is with you. There's other soldiers that we don't even, we, I'll name some more, but other soldiers that aren't part of the David thing. There's Elijah and Jeremiah and Moses and Paul and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, men like that. There's other men like Shammah, one of David's men, his mighty men. Listen, Shammah, here's what he did. He went into a field of lentils and all of Israel retreated. And he stayed in the field, the, in the field, and he he killed a bunch of soldiers in the field of Philistines, because he wasn't about to quit. Some Christians will run away from spiritual warfare, but some people won't. I am equating this this warrior Shema with a spiritual warrior. He wasn't going to retreat, and neither should the Christian soldier. You never retreat. He stood there in a field of lentils in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day. He was surrounded by the enemy, but he wasn't about to give up. Men like that. Here's another man. His name was Daniel. He was in warfare. He prayed to God, and God didn't answer his prayer. 21 days later, he answered the prayer. He kept on fighting, kept on fighting, kept on fighting, and never let go. You have anything in your life that's bothering you, just keep on fighting. Keep on fighting. Don't give up. Stand strong in, in the midst of your battle. He had other mighty men, like Joshua Beam. He killed 300 with a spear at one time. One battle, 300 with a spear. And he was the chief of the captains. These are David's men. See, when you go outside the stronghold, it's good to go at least two by two. You go out one by one, you know, you know, your strength in numbers. Abishai also, who was a brother of Joab, 
he was he was uh, more honored than the other two, his own brother Joab, because he killed with the spear another three hundred men. See, David surrounded himself when he went out of the stronghold in a recon. Again, if you were in the army, you go out on a recon mission. David was smart enough to bring these powerful warriors with him. So, there was Benaiah also went with David. He killed two men that were that looked like a lion. They were heroes of Moab. He killed them. He killed an Egyptian that was over seven and a half feet tall. He wrestled with him for his spear, and he killed him with his own spear. These are brave men. You remember David. He fought that nine and a half foot giant Goliath, hit him in the forehead with a stone, and he toppled over, and he took his own sword and chopped off Goliath's head. He was just a boy. Listen, you plus God is a majority, church. You plus God is a majority. And that's what these guys did. He killed a lion on a snowy day. Unbelievable, these men. There was Eliezer. I love Eliezer, one of my favorites. He was stuck in a barley field, and again, Israel retreated. And he wasn't about to retreat. God said, possess, and he was going to possess. He stood in that barley field, and he killed so many Philistines with his sword that it just stung to his cloak. It, it clove to his hand. It clove to his hand. Because he was holding it so long and fighting so long, he couldn't even put it down if he wanted to. The grip what he had on the sword, the blood that probably baked it there, he wasn't about to put it down. If he did, if he put that sword down, off with his head. You can't quit fighting. You are a soldier of Christ. You're marching forward. You don't quit. He didn't quit at all. Actually, when, when the Bible says a, a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife is the same word. You stick to your wife like glue. Nothing should keep you away from her. To cleave. Even if you try to get rid of her, you can't. Because, you know, she just you just cleave to her. You're separated from your father and your mother. Jesus is sending us into the mission field, and it's time for the church to go into the mission field and take our brave soldiers with us. When I was in Brazil, you know why great victories happened? Demons were cast out. Witches were burning their, their junk. People were getting saved. Churches were uniting. You know why? Because I didn't go out with, we had people that were from other churches that went with me, but you guys were here praying. You guys were here praying. You're part of that team. There was a time in the New Testament, Acts chapter 13, 1 through 4, listen to this. Now, in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manasseh, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate for to me 
Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Paul, Barnabas were called to missions. They went out. God called them. There's a calling on your life. I don't know what it is. There's a calling on my life. We're to step out and do it. The Holy Spirit told them to, to go. And because they went, this was the first Christian recon mission. Paul's first mission. Here's what happened. They went to Antioch. They went to Salamis, which is in the island of Crete. They went to Paphos, which is in Crete. Crete. Pergus, which is in Pisidia. Antioch in Pisidia. Iconium in Pisidia. Lystra in Galatia. Derb in Galatia. Lystra in, in Galatia. Iconium in Pisidia. Antioch in Pisidia. Perga, Perga and Pamphylia, and Italia, and Pamphylia. At the end of that mission, four churches were started. Four churches. You know why? Because the church wasn't afraid to go out. The Holy Spirit said, go, and they went. You know, today, back when I was a young believer, I was in a Missionary Alliance church, and we were always looking for missionaries. I haven't heard a missionary call except in this church for years and years and years. I mean, to call a mission, not in a part-time, but a full-time mission. It's time to get out of the stronghold. When you go outside the stronghold, I hate to say it, church, but you're going to get shot at. The devil's going to take pot shots at you. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do it. The devil's out there trying to stop you. Here's a lyrics of a song. I love it. Oh, my job keeps getting easier as time keeps slipping away. I can imitate the brightest light and make the night look like day. I put on some truth in every little lie to tickle itching ears. You know I'm drawing people like flies. Because they like what they hear. I'm gaining power by the hour. They're failing by the, they're falling by the score. You know it's getting very simple now because nobody believes in me anymore. The devil, he's singing this song. Oh, heaven's just a state of mind. Your books read on your shelf. You have, have you heard this one, that God is dead? Hey, I made that one up myself. They dabble with magic spells. They get their fortunes read. You know they heard the truth, but they turned and followed me instead. I used to have to sneak around, but now they just open their door. You know no one's watching for my tricks because they don't even believe me anymore. This is the church today. They forget the devil's out there. You've got to fight. You're a warrior. Pick up your shield of faith. It is written. Take your sword. And slash out the Word of God. There's 31,102 verses of Scripture you can use as the sword of God, which will cut and dice demons to pieces. The devil's sitting there, hey man, you're not no sinner. You got the truth within. And as you live, your life just slips by. You believe the lie that you did it all on your own. But don't worry. Satan says, I'll help you share that dark eternal home. 
The Bible tells us the devil outside the perimeter, you're going to run into the devil. You're going to run into the devil in churches. I hate to tell you that. Your struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against rulers and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness. Listen to this little preposition. In heavenly places. This is a heavenly place, this building. This temple. Don't you know you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? This temple. The enemy can have a hold within. He can't possess. Unless you don't know Jesus. But he can have a stronghold. And that's where we sang a song today about the blood of Christ. Man, that's like a napalm thrown into a into the stronghold of the enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion. If I had a flashlight and this room was totally dark and I was a little ant on the edge of the page and I turned on a flashlight like this and it would, it would shine on the ant and he would project a big fearful creature on the wall. But he's not. He's an ant. He's already been squashed. Even back in Genesis 3.15, God told, told the Adam and Eve, he said, he, he said, oh, he cursed the devil. And he said, you know, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your skull. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. The devil just makes a scene. He's been defeated by Jesus Christ. Jesus has the keys to hell and death. Revelation 117. You have to study your movements. If you're going outside the perimeter in the army, you will be trained for that kind of warfare. In Desert Storm, we were trained, the soldiers were trained for, for uh, desert warfare. In Vietnam, they were trained for, for uh, jungle warfare. They were going to be trained. You have to train. You have to study for that, for when you go outside the perimeter. You have to know that the devil, pretty much his names, tell, his names in the Bible tell you what he does. It's like his, his, uh, his MOS which is military occupational specialty. He's called the accuser. He's going to accuse you one way or the other. He's going to try to condemn you. You can't believe it. He's an adversary. He comes as an angel of light. He's a, he's a deceiver, a destroyer. He's a dragon. He's called the evil one. He even is called God with a small g. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He's the prince of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the ruler. In Matthew chapter 12, 24, he's a serpent and he's a tempter. He has his own religion. He has his own gospel. He has his own ministers. He has his own church. He has his own communications, his own angels, his own kingdom. And he clones everything that God does. He's a fallen creature. God threw him out of heaven. You remember that. He said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly, I will, I will ascend to the heights of the cloud. I will make myself like the Most High. He's a fallen creature. He was kicked out of heaven. To see God face to face, to see God face to face, and then deny Him, and all of His majesty and glory, He created you, and you want to take his place. It doesn't even make sense. There's no common sense to it. He's just a disgusting creature. 
fallen angels will be judged. And the Bible tells us that you will judge angels. You'll judge fallen angels, fallen angels. You can't judge a holy angel. What's there to judge? He's holy, just like his God. Jesus disarmed him and defeated him at the cross. God unites people and the devil divides people. Satan counterfeits everything God does. Jesus is a lion. Well, he claims to be a lion. Satan claims to be an angel of light when Jesus is the light of the world. He claims to be over the children of pride, but Jesus is the prince of peace. He'll even try to tell you you'll lose your salvation. But you haven't. You won't. Here's what Jesus said. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will not cast out. So if you come to Jesus, if you came 30 years ago and slipped back, you can come back to him. All you got to do is, number one, there is no salvation without repentance. Come and repent. I better get, I better uh, try to get done, huh? Wow. Time flies when you're up here. You know, the enemy has two strategies when you're outside the perimeter, even inside the perimeter. Two strategies. Number one, his strategy is to keep you from finding Jesus or keep you from receiving Christ as your Savior. Same difference. If he can do, th if he can do that, then he's got you in his hold. But if you give your life to Jesus, he lost you. So now what's his second strategy? And that is to keep you from becoming the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God that you, that you were, were made to be. And if he can do that, he just stripped you of all your power. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You got to watch while you're out there for booby traps. For men, I used to be a sign painter before I became a pastor. I would letter trucks, big trucks, tractor trailers, 18 wheelers, the cabs. And I used to go to truck stops. And you know how they claim truck stops are dirty. A booby trap I ran into 40 years ago. I want, I'm lettering a tractor or a truck for this. And, and it was called Tassone Enterprises, okay? I'm lettering it. I had to go to the bathroom. I walked into the bathroom and all kind of pornophilia all over the walls. Uh, dirty magazines sitting there where you couldn't, you had to close your eyes or you, could, you were going to see this stuff. I walked into a booby trap. The devil was, you know, got me. The devil will do stuff like that. You'll be driving down I-95 and see one of those sexy billboards. The devil's going to booby trap on you. It's a landmine. You're going to step on and blow your legs off or your arms off, and then you're not so use, useful to God anymore unless you repent and come back. 
So you have to be watchful when you're out in the outside the perimeter. You have to be ready on every side. You have to be faithful to your captain. I'll just end this with one more thing. Gideon was told to pack up an army because the Midianites kept attacking them. And God chose Gideon, who was the least in his father's house, to be the warrior. So he called for the soldiers. And there were 32,000 Israel soldiers that were going to go to battle. God says, too much. Tell the ones that don't want to go that they don't have to go. And like 22,000 went home. So he still had 10,000 left. Gideon figures, oh, that's okay. God says, you're still too much. Send those 10,000 down to the brook. And the ones who lap the water with their hands, they're the ones that are your, I'm going to take to the battle. A lot of them just put their head in the water and drank the water. They were sent home. You know why? They weren't watching for the enemy. You, you lap the water, bring it up to your mouth, you're looking around. If the enemy's around, you're going to see them. You're supposed to be watchful. You're supposed to be ready. You're supposed to be faithful. We even have scripture that even teaches us that. But you have to remember this of all things. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the end of the earth. And you will be my witnesses in Lantana and Boynton Beach and Palm Beach County and Florida and the United States and Africa and every continent on the face of the earth because you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. I baptize you with water for repentance, but Jesus will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. So you're outside the stronghold church when you leave this place today. No, you're baptized in the spirit. Hopefully, you're baptized in the spirit. If you aren't, come on up front here, and I'll tell you all about it. I think there's even uh, stuff on the back table that you might be able to collect on that. But anyway, um, this message is in encouraging the church to forward march, get out there, and do the work of the ministry. Go and make disciples everywhere you go. If anybody wants to come up front, renew their commitment, repent. Uh, pray. Come on up front. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your message today. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us the equipment to fight against the enemy as we go outside the perimeter. You've already commanded us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together to get the church to encourage one another. And then you also told us that we're to go out and make disciples. So, Lord, we want to do both. We want to go out and make disciples, and we want to be encouraged within the church. So, Lord, help us to do so. Empower us with your Holy Spirit. For those of us that have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I pray that right now he'll fall on this place. And, Father, we will hear that rushing mighty wind. And we would go from this place like Peter, preach the gospel, and thousands of people, hundreds of people, and even one person might get saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. And the altar's open.